Coming up on Chasing the Natty, your usual host, Jared Palmgren, is out today. But do not fret, do not fear, no, no, no. The show must go on, and go on it shall, as we cover a variety of topics all related to fall camp, fall camp reports, what we're hearing from practices, depth charts, injuries, scrimmage reports, everything that can have a significant impact on your fantasy rosters as we approach week zero and week week one. That's right, folks. It is just around the corner. College football. I cannot wait. Let's do it. All this and more coming up on Chasing the Natty. Junior touchdown! Marvelous Mar. Ball next to the This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. Welcome. What is up, everybody? For those of you that uh, are listening in uh, audio format and do not have the uh, unfortunate pleasure of seeing my ugly mug on your screens if you're viewing on YouTube, uh, clearly this is not Jared Palmgren. My name is Nate Marquise. I am a writer, writer over at Campus Canton for the CFF team. I mean, if you know me uh, on Twitter, or I guess X, shall we say, as CFF Nate over there. Enjoy talking college fantasy football, college football, all of that good stuff. Welcome in to Chasing the Natty. I'm your substitute teacher today. I'm I'm really the substitute for the substitute. So um, I'm, I'm pretty much the third string guy here, uh, but I am, uh, I'm going to bring it. We're going to bring the heat. We're going to talk a lot of what's going on at camps, all the different camp reports. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to hit on about 12 to 15 programs. Most of them are P5. So I think this is going to be very relevant for those of you that are listening in from a Debbie or C2C perspective. Um, but we're going to hit on a number of camps. Uh, before I do that, I will say that if you are just wanting objective information on what's happening and covering way more camp information than what I'm going to today, I cannot encourage you enough to go over to the Campus Canton YouTube page and check out the work that Nicholas Ian Allen is doing with the C2-a-days over there. Twice a day, this guy's dropping all sorts of breaking information and what he's hearing from beat writers uh, on camps. Uh, you know, I'm going to give opinions on how I think this stuff is, is actionable and what it can mean for your fantasy squads, but he's just going to give you the nuts and bolts of what all is going on, and it's incredibly valuable information. So I, I definitely encourage you to check that out. Speaking of which, I don't know, guys, if you live under a rock, but you play Devi and you play C2C and you haven't heard that the CFB Winning Edge and Campus Kitten have now teamed up together and partnered and brought all of Nick's incredible uh, data and information over to CampusCanton.com, then uh, you need to go check it out because it's big time. We got two different packages over there, uh, one that is the NIL package plus the CFB winning edge stuff. Uh, and then we've also got, uh, you know, just the C2C uh, winning edge package, which gives you all of that comprehensive information. 
that Nicholas Ian Allen is bringing over. It's absolutely incredible. So I, I definitely encourage you to, to go check that out. Uh, you know, check out the C2C winning edge because it is uh, it's a game changer for your rosters. So that being said, let's waste no more time. I got a I got a fresh beer port here. As you guys know, I'm an IP, I'm an IPA guy. I got the I got a beer ready to go. I got a bottle of water. Let's jump right into all the camp reports because man, some of this stuff is is going to be a huge impact for your fantasy squads. Unfortunately, I got to start with the best the bad news stuff uh, to begin with. It, it, it pains me to say most of you have already heard. Tez Walker, he's got his waiver denied. It's it's frustrating, you know, obviously from, from a fantasy perspective, it's, it's gotta be frustrating from, you know, just the college football uh, perspective that the NCAA right now is, is trying to uh, deny us from being able to, to watch Tez Walker play because he's, he's an incredible player and he's obviously made a huge impact early on there at his time uh, in Chapel Hill. So I will say this, if you own Tez Walker, if you've already drafted him, don't freak out. Don't forget, I do think that there is a legitimate chance that this gets overturned. I mean, the freaking governor of North Carolina has stepped in to play a role here and give his opinion on on how he thinks that this needs to be overturned. So I think the the powers that be are pushing the NCAA to try to get them to overturn this. It does obviously have to worry you a little bit though if you are um you know if you're invested in tez if you're invested for that matter in drake may uh, if you've heard me before you know that i'm already pretty damn concerned <laughs> to say the least at at the coaching hire that they had over the offseason with uh chip uh lindsey coming over for phil longo as the offensive coordinator now he's losing what we all expected to be his number one target that's a problem right if we assume he's gone um, what does that do for Drake May? I, I think that it definitely lowers his ceiling a little bit. Um, I think that it it probably helps what we can expect from Kobe Pesor uh, as well as Nate McCollum whenever they ask Chip Lindsay, what do you now expect out of your wide receiver lineup given this news? And he says, hey, we still got some really, really big time players. The three that he mentioned, first one was Nate McCollum, second one was Kobe Pesor, the other one was Gavin Blackwell. I think we can in some way kind of pencil those guys in as a starter, even though McCollum and Pesor kind of both play that that slot position. I, I'm hoping that they find a way to get all three of them on the field together. So I, I think that it's probably stock up for those three. He didn't mention Andre Green Jr. Sorry, folks. I know we want I know we want him to be a thing. It does not appear that that staff is ready for him to be a thing. So um I think the other part of this waiver being denied, what we have to look at it is that we still have more out there that are waiting for it. Kai Thomas over at Kent State, still waiting for his. Sedu Traore obviously has had a very hectic offseason, to say the least, going from Arkansas State to Colorado and now over to Mississippi State and potentially going to line up as a wide receiver. He's still waiting on one. Other guys, Day Day Hunter hasn't even found a landing spot. He was he would need a waiver. Eric Gilbert, forget about that. He's needing a waiver. That ain't happening. Um, so if Tez Walker's not getting one, then the NCAA sure as hell ain't giving one to uh, to Eric, Eric Gilbert. So, uh, yeah, so keep an eye on those. I think we're going to see denial coming uh, for all of those uh, guys still waiting for that, that waiver process to play out. Let's move over to 
Auburn. Okay, so we got we got some scrimmage reports that we want to cover here today. I I think that this there was kind of some telling things here. We want a Gus Malzahn quarterback, right? We 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 saw from his time at Ole Miss. We saw from his time at Liberty. Obviously, with Malik Willis was incredible. Um, his quarterbacks do a lot of damage uh, for fantasy purposes, and they tend to do it mostly on the ground. But here comes Peyton Thorne over from Michigan State, and my man, my man's not getting it done on the ground. And so that's it's kind of a, a weird fit in the Gus Malzahn puzzle of things here, but. Malzahn, after the scrimmage, basically said, uh, I thought I knew who my quarterback was going to be going into the scrimmage, but now I'm not so sure. I got to kind of look at the film and uh, and see. And that's because early reports are out of the Auburn scrimmage. Peyton Thorne, who ran with the ones throughout the scrimmage, was not overly impressive. Uh, in fact, it sounded like uh, Holton Grainer and um, Robbie Ashford were the ones that did uh, – a better job of moving the ball, a better job of, of flowing, you know, flow with the offense and making plays. Robbie Ashford with his legs was, was very effective in the scrimmage. Uh, I believe he also threw for a touchdown. So it sounds like this is still a very much a quarterback competition and that whatever lead Peyton Thorne had coming into the scrimmage may essentially be gone now. And uh, he's going to have to show out in the next scrimmage or two before the season starts in order to kind of recapture the stronghold that it seemed like he he had on that job. A couple other tidbits here from the running backs. As, as most of you probably heard, Jarquez Hunter had been out early on in fall camp. He's back. He did play in the scrimmage. Uh, they said he looked well. They said he, he's playing fine. He's in good shape. He's ready to go. Uh, but the big note was Damari Alston absolutely shine in the scrimmage. And he's, uh, he's a big second-year back that – this staff really kind of seems to like um, he had a, a long touchdown run in the scrimmage. And uh, I, I think he has kind of positioned himself this fall as somebody that's going to play a pretty big role in this backfield. I don't know that Jarquez Hunter is going to just be a quote volume pig and, and see all of the touches. And, you know, I have concerns about, uh, about this this running back room here with with Hugh Freeze. Did I say Gus Malzahn earlier? I always get those two mixed up because of the whole, you know, SEC situation. But apologize, Hugh Freeze. Uh, I, I just question if his if his running backs are going to be that fantasy relevant to begin with. And if there's some level of a committee here, then I have serious concerns uh, on on what the value of Jarquez Hunter is moving forward, especially since we're still trying to figure out if there is going to be any any ramifications, any any penalty of of a suspension or anything like that. Doesn't look like it at this point, but that could still that could still play out. We get a little drink of water here as well as a, a sip of the IPA. And then we will move over down to Austin. They also had a scrimmage here, the Texas Longhorns, and uh, boy, there is some really good nuggets that we can uh, that we can garner from this particular scrimmage. So, wide receiver room not looking great from a health perspective at this point. Um, we already know there's 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 a lot of chefs in in this kitchen, um, but are we thinking maybe Cook is about to eat? I'm trying to get as many. Uh, 
food related puns as I can get into one sentence there. So Xavier Worthy was out. He, uh, we're not sure if he was banged up or if he's being held out. There's been a stomach bug or some kind of illness going around, um, the roster there, uh, in Austin, he was out. Jordan Winnington got hurt in the scrimmage. Um, we're not sure the severity of it. They're saying that it's a, uh, that's an upper body injury, arm or shoulder related. So keep an eye on that because it was then Cook, AD Mitchell and, uh, and Naor that were running with the ones, uh, apparently Mitchell looked like the alpha out of that group. It was easy to tell that he was Quinn Ewers top target did catch a touchdown pass from Quinn Ewers. Another guy that caught a touchdown pass and that continues to have rave reviews throughout this fall camp is Jonte Cook, man. The dude is balling out. He caught a touchdown from yours as well. Every practice report, every scrimmage, there's, there's a pattern of information we're seeing here where the staff is talking up Jonte Cook. It looks like he is working. He has worked his way into that rotation. How much uh, volume he will see is is yet to be determined. But um, it definitely looks like he is going to play a pretty significant role this season for the Texas Longhorns. As we get into the backfield, because we're all wanting to know, okay, who the hell is going to be Sark's next? 1000 yard back. I want to know, you want to know, everybody wants to do it. Everybody's ready to hop on uh Cedric Baxter, CJ Baxter, the true freshman coming in, uh you know, one of the top two or three uh freshman running backs in the country and for good reason. Uh and Sark said that he looked good. He made some explosive plays in this scrimmage and uh he is coming on strong. Having said that though, he said Jonathan Brooks was the best running back out of the group. And uh, all all reports indicate that Jonathan Brooks took the snaps with the ones. All of his snaps came with the ones. Uh, and he is looking like the lead running back right now in Austin. So here's something that that myself, Matt Bruning, and, uh, and Mike Valerie over at Campus Canton did a little bit of research on. We kind of looked at Sark's past. And, okay, we obviously he churns out 1,000-yard rushers every single year. Okay, what do those guys look like? Here's the deal. If CJ Baxter became the lead running back for Texas this year, he would be the first true freshman lead running back for Sark over his time at Texas, USC, and Washington. And he would also, if we're assuming that Jonathan Brooks becomes the day one starter, and we think that maybe Baxter takes over midseason, Baxter would be the first running back to take over a job during a season with Sark. Sark has never had a freshman be the guy, and he's never had his number one running back go into the season, not come out as the lead rusher at the end of the season. So just keep that in mind uh, whenever you are placing value and determining uh, how bad you want C.J. Baxter and how much you think his production will be for this specific year. Obviously, the kid's talented. He's going to play a role. How much of a role is, is definitely still yet to be determined. Let's talk about Utah. Um, this is another one where, man, it just seems like <laughs> it just seems like they they're they're gonna limp their way into week one when they gotta they gotta play Florida. The Gators are coming there. I know that um I'm not super high on Florida. 
I don't love their quarterback situation, uh, which they they did name Graham Mertz their starting quarterback. Uh, that's not fantasy relevant, though, unless you play in the deepest of deep leagues. But uh, for Utah, in their quarterback situation, <laughs> we already know the Cam Rising uh, questions definitely surround his health, what that's going to look like. Is he going to be ready for week one? Everything we keep hearing from Whittingham, from the rest of that staff is we hope, we hope, we hope we he's doing the right things. We hope he's ready by week one. We still have yet to get anything definitive. A lot of the beat rep reporters there are definitely skeptical that he's going to be ready for week one. Concerns that when you tear your ACL early January, it's just unlikely that you're going to be ready by September, you know, first week of September. So what's that mean? Well, okay. We'd pretty much established through through um, uh, a report earlier that Brandon Rose, uh, Whittingham had already said was going to be the QB two. He's the guy, not Nate Johnson, not Bryson Barnes. Brandon Rose is going to be the guy if, for some reason, Rising can't go. Okay, well they decided uh, in their most recent scrimmage Friday night to go live, full tackling, and Brandon Rose ended up in the hospital. Okay, wow. We we hope he's okay. But that's kind of big. So now uh, it doesn't sound great. Does not sound like he is. He is. No, he's no longer going to be a factor uh, for week one. Now, if Cam Rising can't play, all the beat writers are saying expect expect Bryson Barnes, who is a walk on and filled in at times for Cam Rising last year, whenever he had the mysterious absence after the USC game, uh, to fill in against Florida, uh, and that makes Nate Johnson. Uh, the de facto QB four who could be QB two in week one. Obviously we love the talent. We love the speed, uh, but it does not appear kind of similar to Andre, Andre green jr. There at North Carolina. It does not appear. The staff is in any way um, super thrilled about making him the, the guy here right now. So keep that in mind. If, uh, if things start to look a little unsettled for cam rising as, uh, as the season comes around, what we're looking at is Bryson Barnes, uh, which is which is kind of interesting. So still no reports on Brant Keithy. Um, they're also hoping he's ready to go. But the closer we get, the less likely it sounds. Uh, so there there is a chance that he does not uh, he does not go week one. Obviously, that means stock up for Thomas Yasmin. He's you know, they're going to run a lot of two tight end sets. We'll have to do some research to find out, OK, well, if Keithy can't go, who who becomes that? that new tight end too, that's, that's currently running with the, the third string right now. So we'll keep an eye on that. Speaking of, of tight ends, let's go over here to South Carolina. They also recently had a scrimmage and Trey Knox uh, was one that got knocked out of the scrimmage. He's their tight end transferred over, followed their new offensive coordinator there. It was the old tight end coach at Arkansas. And Trey Knox followed his tight end coach over to South Carolina is expected to be the tight end one there at South Carolina. He was dinged up in the scrimmage, but it sounds like um, from everything we are hearing from the staff that he is going to be back at practice Monday, barring any, anything unforeseen. However, here's the, here's the bummer. Sorry. I'm bringing a lot of, I'm bringing a lot of, uh, bummer news today it is it's a dreary day here in kansas city and uh i'm i'm, I'm having to make it a, a dark podcast for a few minutes here as we talk about injury stuff but i promise we're gonna we're gonna it's gonna lighten up we're gonna we're gonna figure some things out here in a minute 
Antoine Juice Wells also got hurt or got hurt prior to the scrimmage. Either way, he was out, uh, and the staff had to say they are hopeful he is ready for week one. It does not sound as good for Juice Wells as it does for Trey Knox. Uh, that's important because this is a guy, even for me, I, I felt like I was too low on Juice Wells early on in some of the drafts that I that I was taking part of, and I had since moved him quite a bit up my board. I was super excited for what Juice Wells could look like coming into this season, given how strong his finish was last year when him and Rattler seemed to be on the same page. Something happened middle of the season last year when they realized, oh yeah, turns out Antoine Wells is pretty damn good. Maybe we should get him the ball like 12 times a game. So uh, if he can't go, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be, you know, pretty impactful for this offense. Uh, I, I do think that that does mean stock up for Trey Knox. Uh, we could see Amari and Brown. I think all of the camp reports we're hearing on Dakarian Jordan and his success in transitioning to running back could be a stock up for him if they're having to lean on the run game a little bit more early on. So just keep an eye on that as you near week one. Don't be surprised if you see Antoine Wells as a scratch for week one if he's not ready to go. Okay, let's head over, not too far, one state over from South Carolina, and let's talk about what's going on there at Wake Forest. Most of you have probably heard by now the unfortunate news that Donovan Green got injured uh, one of the first practices of fall camp, and turns out he's going to be out three to five weeks, sorry, three to five months. Uh, he has already had a small procedure on his knee. It does not sound like it's ACL. Uh, does not sound obviously something severe like an Achilles or something like that, but he is going to be out three to five months. So it's unexpected. We see him this year at best. We see him the last few weeks of the season. This is a prolific wide receiver fantasy relevant offense, right? This is, uh, this is that slow mesh, uh, you know, that we have seen guys like A.T. Perry and Jamal Banks last year and, and Donovan Green the last few years, whenever he's healthy, just totally eating this offense. What does this mean moving forward for this particular offense? Now that we know Donovan Green is probably not going to be a factor this season, I think it's wheels up for Jamal Banks. Um, every practice report that I'm reading First team, Mitch Griffiths, boom, first target, Jamal Banks. He's making plays left and right. Number of, of touchdowns throughout the practice report. Scored another touchdown in the scrimmage on Saturday. I think there's a legitimate chance that we see Jamal Banks as a top 10 wide receiver this year. I can't um, I can't emphasize that enough, just how important I think his I think how much his stock is up. I know we, we debated this over uh, the CFF. Slack uh, on how much this is this is going to impact him. Some people think that it's it's probably more stuck up for Keyshawn Williams, Wesley. Uh, I'm sorry, Keyshawn Williams and, and Taylor Morin. I think it's the outside receivers that are going to eat in this offense. I do think Taylor Morin uh, is going to play a pretty big role, but I think this makes Banks a top ten wide receiver value wise. The other guy that was running with the ones now that Donovan Green was out uh, in the scrimmage was. Wesley Grimes, second-year wide receiver. I am an unabashed Wesley Grimes stan. 
I love this guy. Uh, I saw his film last year and was blown away at how smooth, how fluid uh, he is. The camp reports over the last two years uh, are just glowing about the plays that he makes, how easily he makes difficult plays look. And if you watch the spring game, you should. If you didn't, if you want to watch a great performance, go watch that because Wesley Grimes put on a show. He had like 12 catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown. He had one touchdown called back because of a phantom sack, and they called the play dead. It wasn't a sack. It was. It should have been his second touchdown of the game. He blew up. Um, he was running with the ones with um, – with green out Taylor, Taylor Moore also um, sat out uh, just precautionary reasons. He's fine, but they just wanted to rest him. Uh, but it was green Keyshawn. I'm sorry. It was uh, Wesley Grimes, Keyshawn Williams and Jamal Banks that were running with the ones over there catching balls from Mitch Griffiths. Uh, Wesley Grimes did make a couple of big plays. Another thing to keep in mind with, with Grimes. So why I think this is, this is important that he now is having this opportunity He's the first wide receiver in six years under Dave Clawson that did not redshirt. He didn't redshirt last year. Clawson redshirts everybody, everybody, Roberson, Banks, Perry, you name it. They all redshirt over there. Grimes didn't. I think that's, I think that's important to know that they felt like he's one of the only wide receivers in six years that was good enough to get on the field as a true freshman. Um, keep an eye out for Walker Merrill. And uh, Horatio Fields uh, to be the guys that if Grimes uh, does not continue to be consistent and and loses some ground, one of those two guys are also vying for that outside receiver position uh, that has been left void from Donovan Green and his injury. So just kind of keep an eye, uh, keep an eye on that. Let's move way across the country here. Let's go over to Cal. Speaking of California. They make some incredible IPAs over in the San Francisco Bay Area as well as Los Angeles. Uh, this particular IPA comes just right down the road from me. It's from here in Kansas City. It's from BKS. It's fantastic. But let's talk about Cal. Um, similar to North Carolina, if if you've listened to me at all, then you know I am not a I'm not a fan of the hire that they made. Uh, further offensive coordinator there. Um, Jake Spavadol, I think, is uh, is kind of a Nepo baby. Uh, he's he's made a name for himself because his dad has been a, a successful coach. And uh, he's kind of rode the coattails of, of a few prominent offensive minds and Sonny Dykes, uh, as well as Dana Holgerson. When he's not hanging out with those two offensive geniuses, uh, it turns out, Spavadol's offenses are not very good. Uh, we saw that at Texas State. He ran that program into the absolute dirt for four years uh, during his time there. Don't worry, G.J. Kenny's gonna gonna fix things there in San Marcos. Um, by the way, G.J. Kenny is recruiting recruiting at an incredible uh, clip there early on at Texas State. I think that's um, he's getting people to buy into what's going on at that program. The transfers he's getting, you know. SEC guys say what you will about Hornsby and, and Finley, but still SEC level quarterbacks, Bo Corrales from North Carolina. I mean, the, the, there's, there's legitimate talent that he's getting into that room. I digress. Let's talk about Cal. Let's talk about an offensive corner that I don't like Steve Spavadol. I'm not going to hammer on Spav uh, uh, on Jake Spavadol. I'm not going to hammer on him. 
Um, I want to talk about what's going on with the quarterback competition because despite how little I think of Spavadal's offense and his um, his ability to produce fantasy-relevant players, I'm kind of enamored with Sam Jackson, the fifth, who's a transfer from, from TCU. And uh, I, I legitimately think him and, and Hornsby and Mike Wright – uh, over at Mississippi State are the three fastest quarterbacks in the entire country. And Sam Jackson just blows my mind whenever I watched him play just a handful of plays there at TCU and just seeing how explosive he is uh, with the ball in his hands when he's running the ball. He had a pretty significant lead on that quarterback job uh, going into, you know, throughout spring camp. He had a great spring game. And starting fall camp, well, he was pushed by Fernando Mendoza, who's a former walk-on over there at Cal uh, during the spring. And then ben, Lin- ben Finley comes over from North Carolina State as quarterback there. He jumps into the mix starting this fall. With each practice report that I read, it appears that Sam Jackson is losing his grip on that job. Now, they are going to scrimmage this Sunday, which is the day that I am recording this podcast. So I do not have the results of what that scrimmage looked like. Spavadol reports that he is going to try and let the quarterbacks do their thing and not uh, be quick on the whistle so that he can judge just exactly what they look like, be able to let Sam Jackson, uh, you know, run the ball and, and let that element of his game play a role in the scrimmage. Because that's a huge part of his game. It appears from everything we're reading from the beat writers, Sam Jackson is by far the most electric and the talent level is sky high. The problem is his floor and some of the mistakes he makes are totally head scratching. And um, and Spavadol is really looking for a level of consistency that he simply has not shown so far. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that. If he has another, uh, if he has a bad scrimmage, then I'm not even sure that he's the favorite anymore. I think there's a legit chance that Finley comes in and takes this job from him. So uh, I think if he does win the job, if Sam Jackson gets this job, despite how atrocious I think Spavadol can be from an offensive coordinator and play calling perspective, I think Sam Jackson can be a maniac and has all these like Johnny Manziel qualities to him, just kind of this Konami code that uh, I think that maybe even a bad play caller can't screw up. And the amount of garbage points, given how bad Cal's defense is going to be, that we could see from Sam Jackson is intriguing. Let's just see if he gets the job, though. Let's stay in the Pac-12 and let's talk about the Oregon State scrimmage because, boy, do we have uh, some quarterback notes as well here. We are all wondering, okay, when is DJU going to take this job? Every practice report we read, if you've if you've listened in to C2A-Days or anything you read in the, in the spring, this is supposed to be DJU's job, right? He comes over from Clemson, former five star. He's, you know, he's got a cannon. Guy was drafted by MLB, even though he doesn't play baseball. But let you know, he um he's supposed to take this job, but he hadn't so far. Well, that's over. It's his job now. Uh they scrimmaged yesterday. Uh DJU 
all but locked up the QB job. All reports indicate it's over. Throw in the towel. It's done. Dr. Goldbranson, sorry, you're not going to start. DJU went 13 of 19 with three touchdowns, no interceptions. He earned due to the day from all the writers. Uh, he had touchdowns to Damian Martinez, Saibo, Silas Bolden, and some guy I've never heard of, Miyagi. I don't know if that's Mr. Miyagi or if it's just Miyagi, but it's Mr. Miyagi to you guys. Uh, but anyways, DJU was incredible. Um, and it's 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 a job that he is now locked up. He had the only touchdowns of the entire scrimmage, all three of them. No turnovers. Gobranson did have one turnover. Here's the deal. I know that um, I know that there's a lot of uh, Aiden Childs fans out there. I'm an Aiden Childs fan. A lot. I, I think he's a really good quarterback. He's a clear. Let me let me let me emphasize this enough. He is a clear third string quarterback. He is going to have to hop two players, not one, but two players in order to get this job this year. I was somebody that thought, I don't know, maybe, maybe just based off what we saw from him in the spring, 17 years old, he could continue to develop. Maybe he, maybe he steals this job. I think he's a little, he's actually distanced himself further away from getting this job than he has overtaking DJU. Orgel Branson, for that matter, um, despite how high his ceiling is and how good of a player he is, because I think he is, I think he's a top, he's definitely a top 10 quarterback in this class. So just keep that in mind. Uh, just another tidbit tight end Jack Velling is somebody that continues to make plays uh, over there in Oregon State scrimmages and practices. Somebody just kind of keep, keep an eye on. I know that Oregon State does a really good job with their uh you know with their pro style play action involving the tight ends um so they've got a history of making some fantasy relevant tight ends over there and i think jack felling somebody we probably need to keep an eye on just to see kind of how that situation develops for those of you watching on youtube uh you can see i have my tulane green wave uh shirt here from from home field apparel we do have a uh uh you know a promo code uh with campus to canton over there at home field apparel so you guys should definitely check that out let's talk uh speaking of dju let's just wow what a transition didn't even plan on this but uh let's talk about the clemson quarterback room uh and uh what's going on with their depth chart because they had a scrimmage and as it as it turns out uh their QB2, Hunter Helms, was injured in the scrimmage. And it does not sound super promising that he's going to be ready by the start of the season. Why is this relevant? Okay, so that makes Paul Tyson, I guess it's like Bear Bryant's descendant of some grandson. I don't know. The guy that was at Alabama a couple years back, I think he may have ended up at Arizona State. Now he's at Clemson. Hopefully he's... Hopefully he's a graduate because otherwise he's not going to be able to play this year either because they're declining all sorts of waivers as we already discussed. But Paul Tyson is now the QB two there at Clemson. I know a lot of a lot of people in in C two C and Dynasty circles like uh, Chris Vizina. Uh, the the staff over there, Dabo uh, and and the offensive staff, Riley. They've been abundantly clear that Vizina is going to redshirt this year. 
And it doesn't even sound like they plan on playing him in that four-game stretch. They're just like, no, he's a scout team quarterback right now. He ain't ready. We're redshirting his ass, so don't even ask about it again. Okay, why you're asking, who cares? Cade Klubnitz, the starter, um, why do we even care? The drop-off between Cade Klubnik and Paul Tyson, and from the sounds of it, how the staff feels about Chris Vizina is this. I mean, we're talking about the size of the Atlantic ocean. It's, it's massive. Do we see Cade Klubnik uh, get very involved in the run game? Is the staff going to be willing to risk injury to a guy that we know is a bit on the skinny side? You know, a guy that may not be able to handle that level of punishment, uh, week in, week out, and they can't, they're too good of a program and have too many good pieces to be throwing Paul Thompson out there at Paul, excuse me, Paul Thompson. There, there's an old Oklahoma uh, quarterback um, snafu there. Paul Tyson as their, as their QB, if something were to happen to Cade Klubnick. So uh, just keep that in mind. You may not be getting some of the rushing upside with Cade Klubnik that we think that he's capable of kind of on that same level of what we saw from, from Trevor Lawrence, somebody that in the regular season could give you 500 yards and five TDs. Uh, maybe we don't quite see that from Cade Klubnik like many of us may have hoped uh, as their quarterback room is kind of going through uh, some issues here from an injury uh, perspective. So just keep that in mind. Here we go. I know it's the one you guys have all been waiting for here. Or shall I say, I guess it's the one that I've been waiting for to talk about the most here. Uh, that is the Oklahoma wide receiver room, right? Everybody's waiting for that. No, just me. Probably just me. The the Oklahoma wide receiver room is something I want to talk about because we get some really good information from a recent scrimmage and some practice reports leading up to the scrimmage. They had a scrimmage on Saturday. We know Jalil Farouk is the wide receiver one there. Uh, that I think is, is pretty much set in stone as much as uh, I, I think there's potential for him to put up Marcus Mims type numbers there. I, I don't think that's out of the question. I think Farouk has that level of ability and i think uh we've got a creative enough offensive coordinator there jeff levy in his varin shoot system his baylor system to find creative ways to make jill for a factor and they've talked about that they they want to get him on end rounds they want him to line up all over the field in the backfield inside outside just making plays as much as they can we know drake stoops is going to start in the uh in the slot he's coming back for his 12th year uh, in Norman. Uh, he's a legend there. The coaching staff is, you know, they, some of these guys worked under his dad. Drake Stoops is going to start and he's, he's going to be a factor this year. Uh, whether us Sooner fans like it or not, that's just what's going to happen. However, we are kind of curious what the QB three is. Who's the other, or what, excuse me, wide receiver three is who's the other guy that is going to be in that boundary position on that outside position uh, across from Jalil Farouk. And I think we got a, a little bit of an idea of that based off of the spring scrimmage. Andrell Anthony, who is the transfer from Michigan, who 
had some big moments there at Michigan, but was incredibly inconsistent and, um, you know, blew up in one game. I think it was maybe against Michigan State where he had, and, and don't quote me on this, but he had around 200 yards and a touchdown or two. So big, big game in a big, big spot in a rivalry moment for uh, for Michigan, but was very inconsistent. Hit the transfer portal. Uh, fits a lot of what Jeff Levy likes, and that is kind of like what you see at Tennessee with Heupel. I want to get as much speed on the field as possible, put safeties on an island, make them have to make decisions, and um, if they make the wrong one, they will be burnt for a long touchdown. Get as many fast players on the field at once. I think that's where he fits in. In the scrimmage, he had close to 100 yards and two touchdowns. He was one of the stars of the scrimmage. So I think that we've kind of started to see that rumblings were that he was going to be that wide receiver three there anyways. And this scrimmage seems to have solidified that, at least for right now. Now, having said that, don't overlook former walk-on Gavin Freeman. Uh, he's got a very similar build to Drake Stoops, a little bit undersized, um, plays primarily out of the slot, so he will be somewhat bogarted by Drake Stoops. But he and uh, Jacquizzi Petaway, the uh, four-star freshman that wasn't even there for the spring, has just come in this fall, have been putting on a show. Um Gavin Freeman was the best wide receiver in the spring, according to Brent Venables. And uh, Petaway has been one of the stars of the fall camp so far. And they like them a lot. So if something were to happen to Drake Stoops, I think this offense actually gets better with Gavin Freeman or Petaway there sliding into the slot. I think both those guys are actually um, pretty good players there that are that could have an impact. If it doesn't happen this year, it's definitely going to happen in the next year or two there in that wide receiver room. Let's head on now to Tempe, where we talk about Arizona State and what's going on in their scrimmage. So another, another situation where the quarterback room is a little bit unsettled and who we're going to expect to be the starter, right? They get Drew Pine over from Notre Dame. They got uh, Trenton Bourget, who is... The incumbent there had, you know, flashed at times towards the end of last season. And then we've got the, you know, the Mr. NIL himself, former Florida signee turned Arizona state, uh, true freshman, uh, Jaden Rashada. So, uh, you know, obviously the ceiling is, you know, as far as from a talent perspective is clearly with him, but does he, you know, how much does he actually factor into this job? Well, interesting news here that we found out from Kenny Dillingham, Drew Pine uh, suffered a hamstring tear. Now, as, as bad as that sounds, there are varying degrees of a hamstring tear. Uh, it sounds worse uh, than it can be if we don't have, uh, you know, if this is a low-level uh, hamstring tear. So he said that he hopes to have him back. I think they were basically putting it at about two to four weeks. Either way, that's right up to the start of the season. He's now no longer going to be able to get uh, those important reps that he needs in order to try to win this job in camp. And that definitely gives a leg up to Trenton Bourget, Um, as I mentioned, is the incumbent there. Having said that, in the scrimmage that they recently had, the same scrimmage as Drew Pine got hurt, Jaden Rashada appeared to perform 
very well. In fact, he had a touchdown pass to Jalen Conyers. And we know, like, we it's hard to determine, okay, what exactly is happening in these scrimmages? Are you running with the ones? Is he running with the twos? We know Jalen Conyers is the starting tight end there at Arizona State. So when you're throwing touchdown passes to him, that means you're at least getting reps with the ones. So um, it's possible that we kind of, a lot of us, uh, you know, at the CFF team had kind of written off Jaden Rashada as being a factor in 2023 and it it appears like maybe he's a little bit closer to winning that job than we had initially anticipated so keep an eye there expect Trenton Bourget to kind of take a hold of this job and and run with it but if we continue to hear this uh, this drumbeat of Jaden Rashada uh performing well and Drew Pine is out an extended period of time Maybe we see the torch pass a little bit earlier in in what we think is potential to be a pretty favorable fantasy position under Kenny Dillingham, who's somewhat of a QB guru based off what he has done with Bo Nix last year, uh, as well as um, as well as Travis Jordan over at Florida State a couple years ago. He kind of got the ball rolling for him as well. So keep an eye on that. Uh, I think that's uh, it could be a very important. Uh, injury that's happening there with Drew Pine. Moving just down the road to their rival, to uh, these two freshly minted Big 12 programs with Arizona State and Arizona, I guess is what we'll say. The the Big 12, which is, I think, going to have 32 teams uh, in their conference next year. So let's talk about uh, Arizona and what we saw in their scrimmage and kind of what's playing out in their running back room, because I think there's kind of some juicy information that we're getting from this here. Michael Wiley, uh, you know, kind of burst onto the scene uh, at times last year. He was inconsistent, but his good was really good for fantasy purposes. You know, just absolutely killed it uh, the last few weeks of the season. May have, uh, you know, may have impacted his overall fantasy performance in that it's hard to predict when he's going to go off, but he does have that big time upside. His, uh, you know, for, if you look at him from a metrics um, analytics and, and just kind of taking a deep dive on what his, his uh, stats looked like last year, he's somebody that had a huge breakaway percentage. He broke a fair amount of tackles. He's incredible in the pass game. I think that's probably his strongest asset is that he catches the ball like a receiver. And that staff has openly said, "Listen, we can put him, we can put him out in the slot. We can put him, uh, we can line him up all over the field. The guy has hands of a wide receiver that just happens to be a running back." So. Lot to be excited about with with Michael Wiley there, and in the scrimmage he had 37 yards and a touchdown. Uh, limited time running with the ones because they didn't uh, want to risk any injury with him uh, wisely. But we've been hearing how good Jonah Coleman is. We heard it last year. He was fine. He he got almost 100 carries last year, so he definitely played a role as a true freshman. But again, this spring and this fall, Jonah Coleman. Looking really good. He had 46 yards and a touchdown on one drive alone in this scrimmage. So uh, they were feeding him the rock on that particular drive, and he responded well. Here's the deal, though. They also got in four-star running back from the same class, second-year running back, Rayshon Speedy Luke, who had a 65-yard touchdown 
and a receiving touchdown from Noah Fafita, which means he was probably running with the twos in that particular instance. Listen, Speedy Luke was somebody that absolutely balled out in the All-American game. Uh, I, th- I want to say he may have even been one of the MVPs of it was either the Under Armour or uh, Army game. Can't remember which one it was, but he went he went bananas in that uh, that All-Star game. So uh, he had a fairly quiet freshman year. He's undersized, but the dude's an absolute track star. And uh, when you get him the ball in space, good things tend to happen. Reason why I bring this up. Where do we where do we rank Michael Michael Wiley? What do we expect from him? Is this a little bit more of a committee? I I I as much as I like um what the advanced stats say on Michael Wiley and how he can be an absolute star, I do worry that this is going to be a committee approach there at Arizona. Jonah Coleman just sounds too good to keep the to keep off the field, and Speedy Luke, you know has that ability. This is a very diverse skill set that all three of these guys bring with Wiley being a great receiver, a good all round back Coleman being, you know, more of a between the tackles type guy and speedy Luke being kind of that game breaker type. I, I do think that there could be somewhat of a committee approach that's happening here at Arizona this year. So just something to keep an eye on there um, as you invest in uh, players like Michael Wiley. Let's talk about what's going on. I, I know we all want to hear about what's happening at the Alabama scrimmage, right? I, I mean, it's the Alabama quarterback. It's the Alabama wide receivers. It's the Alabama running backs. And I think we know pretty good idea of what that running back room is going to look like. Sounds like Jason McClellan is going to definitely be the, the RB1 there. Uh, although I will say there, there, there is one nugget that I will bring up of what we found from this, uh, from this scrimmage when, as it relates to the running backs, but let's not bury the lead. Let's talk about the quarterbacks. Um, first and foremost here, here's the deal. Um, Ty Buckner comes over from Notre Dame. I will not sugarcoat it. I thought this was going to be his job to lose. You follow your offensive coordinator, albeit the offensive coordinator and Tommy Reese that did replace you last year. Uh, not last year, sorry, did replace you this offseason. Um, but he still followed his offensive coordinator from Notre Dame to Alabama. Ty Buckner could have gone to a number of P5 programs. Hell, he could have went to Auburn and probably won that job easily. He could have went to a number of G5 programs and been guaranteed a starting position. Instead, he follows his offensive coordinator. I thought that this was going to be his job to lose. That was a mistake. That was a big-time mistake. Turns out this is now a two-man race, okay? All signs point. Uh, the distance has been – the gap has been widened uh, between Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson from Ty Buckner, Okay. It's down to Milrow and Simpson. Right now, Milrow has the lead. He did have a long touchdown pass to Burton in the scrimmage. Uh, it's kind of similar to the, you know, I'm hearing a lot of what I hear out of Cal when it comes to Ty Simpson, similar to what I talked about earlier with Sam Jackson, in that the staff is like, his good is the best that we have in that room. Unfortunately, we see his bad show up there's an inconsistency that's happening right now 
Having said that, it sounds like Ty Simpson is definitely making this a job. Okay, he's there. He is making this a race much closer than what I thought it would be. Okay, uh, do not be surprised if we see some level of both quarterbacks getting run in week run week one. It's Middle Tennessee. They have Texas shortly after that. They're going to want to find out who they have the most confidence in. If one of these quarterbacks, specifically if Jalen Milrow does not separate from Ty Simpson, then we can expect both of these guys to play. The staff has kind of alluded to it. They did it before the year that Jalen Hurts was a freshman. Um, and the beat writers are fairly confident that that is going to be the case. So uh, do not draft Ty Buckner. Know that if you draft Milrow or Simpson, uh, you could see both of them getting action in week one and then see how it plays out. I alluded to uh, a nugget from the running backs. Even though Jam Miller has been limited in, in fall camp so far, I think they said he had a quad strain. He's been limited and has not been a full participant in fall practices. The dude still broke off a 50-yard run in the scrimmage, which is pretty impressive. Uh given that he hasn't been a full participant. So just kind of keep an eye on that. They say that it's it's clearly Jason McClellan's job to lose, uh, but the guys behind them are all making some noise between Jam Miller, um, obviously the, the incoming uh, freshman there, the five-star stud, as well as, um, uh, gosh, the, the guy's going to, See, I'm forgetting his name because he just hasn't been any, very impressive there. The other guy that's that's kind of the bruiser in between, Roydell Williams. Uh, thank you. Thanks. Finally, finally figured that one finally came to mind. Um, but he sounds like he's also going to play a factor. The deal is Alabama's just going to run the ball more. So expect that even even if they they have multiple running backs playing a role here, it does not mean that Jason McClellan and some of these other guys can't be fantasy relevant. I think there's a chance that McClellan is what we expect he is and other guys play a role there as well. All right. I have a couple more that I think um, are going to play a role here. Now I will say if you like good offenses, I don't know, look away, maybe mute it for a minute because we're going to hit on a couple of offenses here that, are less than sexy. I think it's probably the nicest way I can put it. Oh, there it, there it is. I just put it up on the screen. It's the Iowa scrimmage report. Okay. I'm not going to spend all day talking about Iowa. We we know what we want here. We want the tight ends. We want the running back. Game over. End of story. That's all we need to know. Here's the deal, though. Uh, Iowa's Cade McNamara left the scrimmage with a lower body injury and returned to the sidelines without his pads on. Sounds bad, right? He's the transfer from, from Michigan. Uh, he's replacing uh, Spencer Petrus. And uh, we are hoping that he's the one to be able to take this offense to the next level. Kurt Ferenc says he's not alarmed. Um, he is hurt, but he's not alarmed at this point. Obviously, uh, you know, we don't want Iowa quarterbacks for fantasy leagues, not, not on any level, um, unless you're just in some kind of crazy deep league, but just like you saw in the bowl game, in the absence of, uh, you know, their quarterback situation there against Kentucky, this could still have an impact on that tight end room, which we do like, uh, Lachey and Eric all, 
And how does it impact Caleb Johnson? Does this limit his opportunities in the red zone? If this offense just looks like they did last year where they can't move the ball at all. So I do think we're going to have to keep an eye on this because it impacts those tight ends and it impacts uh, Caleb Johnson and his ability to, uh, you know, be somebody that I think has potential to be a 1,010 touchdown type of guy. But if that offense is totally abysmal and Brian Ferentz, can't even get to that 25 point threshold that he's trying to get to this year. Forget about it. I, I don't know that any of these assets are going to be worth owning from a fantasy perspective. So just keep an eye on that there. Last room I want to touch on here. Let's touch on the Wyoming running back room. Okay. So they have had a rash of injuries, right? We're pretty excited about um, Harrison Whaley coming over from Northern Illinois He's going to be out for a couple of weeks. That's that's problematic. Then uh, we we just had news that they're the running back that is going to take over for him uh, is got injured in the uh, McNeely. Dwayne McNeely is injured and has a torn ACL. I believe is what the report is. He's out for the season. Okay, what does that leave? That leaves DQ James, right? This is a guy that is undersized. He's like 5'7", 180-ish. Uh, so he's definitely undersized. But he did have some big games last year. I think he had like 180 yards against uh, and 130 yards against like Hawaii and Colorado State last year with a couple of touchdowns. So he's very explosive. He doesn't really fit the mold of an every down back. So um, I do think he's somebody that we now have to bump up in our rankings uh, because the staff's familiar with him. This is a staff that likes consistency. They like that familiarity. But um, with with the other guys out, at least for the first couple of weeks, I think we see a big stock up with him. Keep an eye. Uh, we'll, we'll try to keep, you know, tune in to see two days and see if there's any momentum being gained for some of the other running backs in that room. Some of the young guys or some of the other guys maybe we weren't looking at that could uh, now play a role moving forward, given the injury situation of that running back room. So that's it, folks. That is what I've got. I appreciate you uh, hanging out with me, uh, listening to some of the camp reports. I think a lot of this is going to be some fantasy-relevant information. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, please go check out uh, campuscanton.com. Find out what we're doing over there. It's got obviously a ton of information. I am uh, myself personally, as far as some uh, the articles that I have going on, I did a quarterback handcuff article uh, not long ago. Feel free to check that out on our website. Uh, I do have a group of five uh, dynasty sleeper article that I'm just putting the finishing touches on right now. Life kind of got in the way. I'd hoped to have that out a week ago. But uh, it should be out fairly soon, and uh, it is um, it is an article that last year, uh, you know, I, I try to find names that nobody has ever heard of, or at the very least, uh, very unfamiliar with. And last year, I was able to touch on uh, C.A. Bengura, the running back over at Ohio, as well as Devontae Walker. Now at North Carolina, was once at Kent State. Um, I had even mentioned a couple other guys that popped off, uh, Lexington Joseph uh, and um, you know a few other guys there. So I'll have that coming out here before too long. 
and uh, you guys can check that out and be sure to check out everything else we have going on. I appreciate you hanging out with us. Everybody have a great rest of your week. Good luck with your fantasy teams this year.